0: Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit, edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone. And it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform. And the coolest thing is is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks.
1: Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through,
0: while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery.
1: Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as
0: we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling, and especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash TheAnxietyChicks. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash TheAnxietyChicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinara. And I'm Taylor. And we're excited to have you all back with us today. Um,
1: Taylor, how have you been doing? Very, very, very busy. <laughs> very is, busy. It's just getting, I don't know. I'm, I say this a lot. It's always the wedding stuff, but it's just stressful with COVID and just figuring everything out and all the final stuff and it's just been a lot on me mentally, honestly. Like if I'm being completely honest, it's just been it's been uh as you notice, like I haven't been on social media as much. I've just been so stressed out to say the least. Well, and isn't your wedding like
0: in March, right? Yeah. And it's it just
1: yeah. That is so many like, opinions and so many so many things. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like if you don't feel comfortable coming, like please don't come. Like you're not gonna hurt my feelings. Um, I'd rather you be safe and not mad at me. Like I feel like there's some people who are like, I don't want to like point fingers, but someone was like, "How's your super spreader going?" And I'm like, that really hurts. Like, and and there's even been someone I mean, on Instagram who messaged me and was like, they were like, "Just cancel it." And I'm like, well, we can't. Like we literally can't cancel it. Vendor, mm-hmm. like vendors and venues here. They've had so many cancellations. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they lost a whole year of business. And Mm so you have to understand, like, they're a business too. And, like, I've had to think of that too. Like, I'm like, why wouldn't they let me, like, cancel or reschedule? And, like, my maid of honor really talked me down the other day. She was like, Taylor, in a year from now, honestly, I feel like it's still going to be kind of like this. Like, if you postpone it, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. And she was like, she was like, you don't want to look back and be like, I wish I would have done that. And, like it's time to get my life started like i can't put my life on hold like we've been dating 7 years almost 7 years so it's yeah. like it's time it's time
0: yes you're ready well this is so great that's a great like intro to our episode because we're talking about relationship anxiety today and um maybe this will come up kind of in later part of the episode because i'm sure that a lot of this stuff also affects your relationship when you go through a lot yeah, of this planning and yeah, yeah, and so, um, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I mean, it is coming up so soon, right? You're so ready, but you're just like, can we just get it? It's almost like you just want to have be with him, right? Like you just want the day to come.
1: And yeah, it's just, just, just remember,
0: like, on top of everything, like
1: I have anxiety. <laughs>
0: so I, I was just gonna say, remember <laughs> with your perfectionism, how yes. you want, and you want everyone to be happy more than
1: you <laughs> yourself. Yeah, so just definitely be, be lots conscious. of tears.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, I think maybe we should just get into the episode then because maybe it'll be really helpful for you and give you some, I don't know, a little bit, have it be a little bit relatable to you because we have an awesome guest today who is an expert in relationships, uh, especially when it comes to anxiety and dating and all of that. Um, and so I'm excited to see if maybe, Taylor, you can relate some of your seven-year relationship and um, you know maybe my dating experiences with what um, our, our guest has to say today. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce you all to, to Ken Page. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Ken, and um, then we'll, we'll get into the episode. So Ken Page is an LCSW. Uh, that's a licensed clinical social worker. And he's a renowned psychotherapist and leading voice of hope and wisdom for everyone seeking to find and cultivate healthy, lasting love. He is the host of the Deeper Dating Podcast, co founder of deeperdating.com, a new way for single people to meet online in a way that's warm, respectful, fun, and inspiring. He's the author of the best selling book, Deeper Dating How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. He has been featured in O, The Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Cosmopolitan, The Advocate, and more. Ken is passionate about helping people understand the search for love as one of the greatest spiritual adventures in life. And he celebrates the inclusion of the LGBTQ community into the banquet of wiser relationship advice. Oh, my goodness. You are amazing, Ken. Just reading that is like, oh, I can't believe we have you on. We're so excited. So welcome.
2: Oh, I'm honored and delighted to be here. I was so excited for the connection that we made and and uh, just thrilled to be invited. So thank
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, no, I, I mean, I feel, you know, for anyone that's been listening to us for a while, you know, you guys have heard me talk a lot about my dating experience. If you listen to the episode on the heartbreak of anxiety, where I talk about my, my breakup, if you haven't go back, Um, I'm really raw. And I talk about the anxiety that I had about breaking up, but also in my relationship that Ken's podcast, deeper dating was seriously like a lifeline for me through my entire relationship. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Your podcast is I mean, everything that that you say, I just, it resonates with me. And to be honest, I feel like sometimes when I, I listen to your podcast, I do it when I'm on my walks. I take walks every day and it's almost like meditative for me.
2: Mm, mm.
0: So thank you for that.
2: Oh, well, that's so great. You know, I have actually like, I've been a, a serious meditator for a really, really long time, like 40 years plus like since i was a teenager i've been very serious about it and so you know people say to me all the time there's such a calm that emanates from you like when you tell me that you have anxiety i'm like i don't get it i don't see it and oh. it's not my voice is fake you know and i think those 40 something years of meditating have helped but it doesn't mean that, that 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 i don't live with the experience of anxiety too and on a regular basis, need to find tools to deal with it.
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, I think that's probably why I connect with you so much because you're so real about your own limitations.
2: Mm, mm. Um, And,
0: and I really am thankful for that. So Mm
2: -hmm. thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, So I'd love to kind of get into a little bit more about relationships and what, what have you found has maybe created most of the anxiety in certain relationships and maybe even break it down to like the beginning of relationships or dating and, um, and, 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 you know, Taylor being in seven years and getting married, what would you say kind of you found is, is created uh, most anxieties in
2: relationships? Oh, those are, those are citrus questions. So I want to take a moment and think, and then I want to take those apart and, and, and look at the kind of like periods in the evolution of a relationship. Great. Because there are like hallmark anxieties that are kind of universal spread through and then anxieties that are really particular, so particular for different stages. Um, So, okay. I'm just going to take a minute to think about that fabulous question.
0: Sure. Yeah. I know it was kind of loaded. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just like, tell (laughs) me the answers.
2: It's good. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I, I, I guess the simplest way to do this is just to start and uh, share thoughts and ideas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I guess I want to start by saying that anxiety in many ways is a form of empathy. And uh, anxiety connects to the deepest parts of ourselves, which I call our core gifts. And, and so um, learning to manage and care for and handle our anxiety is more than just dealing with a problem, dealing with often a very exquisite sensitivity and a really intense quality of empathy and depth. Because we resonate so finely with the world. We experience things that other people don't experience. So much of our anxiety as human beings is that we are picking stuff up. And we can't lobotomize or amputate that in ourselves. So how do we handle it? And I think that anxiety, our anxiety is often connected to our genius, um, as well as many other things too. So so in relationships, um, okay, but we'll start like really, really early on we get advice about dating and i'm going to kind of go on and on with this so interrupt me anytime you want cuz there's so much here but we get advice about dating that instantly creates and a division inside ourselves and a division inside ourselves fuels anxiety um in self psychology there is this oh i'm sorry did you did you say something
0: no, no, I'm just agreeing with what you're saying. I'm taking it all in.:
2: Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a really, really cool and amazing and instructive concept. In self-psychology, which is you know one school of, of psychotherapy, there's a concept called the byproducts of disintegration. And that doesn't mean we disintegrate. it means we disintegrate. When we divide from ourselves, all of us have different. Byproducts of disintegration. For a lot of us, anxiety mm-hmm. is an alarm that says we're disconnecting from ourselves so the world doesn't feel safe anymore. There are no inner arms around us. We're naked, we're alone, we're raw, we're not safe. Um, others of us have, uh, you know, for me, my anxiety is very connected to irritation, um, impatience, uh, mm-hmm perfectionism, judgmentalism. There's a whole slew of desperate measures that, that kind of unfold in my being when I'm experiencing my personal byproducts of this integration. So such an important concept. So, so if that is true about this integration, then it would also be true that the more we integrate, the more tools we'll have, the more protected we are against the effects of anxiety. Right. So a lot of the dating advice that we get really, really, really disintegrates us. Like I'll just give you some examples. Play hard to get. Make sure if you're a woman, you act feminine enough because you could scare the guys away. Make sure if you're a guy, you act masculine enough because otherwise women are going to disrespect you and the really great women are not going to be attracted to you. Act confident, even if you don't feel it. Um, if you're feeling need or neediness, that's mortifying. That's pitiful, and just get it out of there. These are all things that I mean. When you when you internalize these things, you just you know you disintegrate. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's that's so interesting because I think again, as as the dating, you know, talking, I can talk about the dating aspect of it. Is <clears throat> those are all of the things I've thought before when I'm when I'm dating. I'm always constantly feeling like I need to be the one to work on myself and change things about me in order to find the person that I want to be with. And I'm constantly evolving. And I think I'm always like wanting to just think about my own limit, limiting beliefs and just work on myself and but also stay authentic to who I am. And that whole process I feel like is, is exhausting.
2: (laughs) It's exhausting. It can be so exhausting. And this is where I want to um, kind of just, I want to say something about those horrible myths that like screw us all up. And then I want to offer a tool like in this, in this episode, there are two tools that I want to offer listeners that I think are unequivocally wonderfully life-changing for the intimacy journey. Um, So I'll get to the first one in a minute, but first, let me say the research shows that playing hard to get, does it work? So don't worry about it. Give it up. Um, It makes, it might make a person temporarily want you more, but they will, it will make them like you less. Um, Neediness, you know, when we feel needy, That needs to be honored. It cannot be squished down. Need shamed turns into neediness. So need honored turns into honest communication. When we're not feeling confident, we don't have to be confident. This whole horrible, horrible thing of these gender-focused myths are part of my language. They're bullshit. Yeah, because they're bullshit that the culture believes in. So people have been, you know, uh, attraction is a plastic kind of thing. We're formed. Our attractions are formed often by our culture. Thank God the world is changing. But let me say, if you place gender role tyranny over authenticity, it's going to bite you in the butt in the long run. So the bottom line, deepest truth is that you get to be you. And the you that can be you and honor that is the you that is going to be the sexiest and the most beautiful and in ways that are nothing short of miraculous will draw you to people who are your home, who are right for you. So that's what I want to say about the whole myth. So
0: I I love that. and So Taylor, I I have a question for you because you talk a lot about your relationship and how you feel like your fiance is so just like uh, um, uh, accepting of your anxiety and everything about you and what you struggle with. And he's just compassionate and accepting about that. And that's just part of you that you work on, but that he just is so loving about that. Mm -hmm. Is that true? I mean, is that, I don't know if you could talk to that, but I, I that reminds me of you and your fiance when he says that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, definitely. But I feel like sometimes it leads to me, uh, seeing that as like, I, he could be a punching bag for me. So I'm kind of intrigued by what Ken said about how like his anxiety can sometimes you said like irritability and stuff. Like I feel like I sometimes do not recognize when I'm having anxiety and I see it or I I don't see it, but I feel irritable, irritable and just anger. And I take it out on my fiance, because it's easy to do. Cause I know he'll always be there. Nothing will like, he just is accepting of everything. And so it's funny how he said that he Ken said that he also feels like, um, his anxiety sometimes is like irritability and anger. And I think recognizing that was huge for me that my irritability and anger is from my own insecurities and things I'm struggling with that I don't, Ever daily recognize, and so it comes out as that irritability because I've had enough. I've reached my point. Interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I totally relate. I'm on the same team as you, and um, you know, just a few days ago, Greg, my husband, and I are working on a really big uh, project together with a deadline and a lot of uh, like uh, stakes in it and um I was being cranky I was just being cranky and the first thing (laughs) in the morning was like I am so sorry I was really cranky and I was really irritable and I'm sorry you didn't deserve that that was not fair and I have to say that a bunch yeah he's very he's like your fiance he's like one of these very stable giving caring sweet less reactive people so um yes (laughs) totally totally relate and that leads me to this this tool that i want to share that that taylor this is to me like like the wisdom gem of all wisdom gems for everybody seeking a really good relationship and it's one that it seems like you've achieved and it's this that there's a million questions that you could have about someone you're dating But there's one question that we need to prioritize as number absolute one. And everything needs to kind of cascade down from that. And that is this, asking yourself, does my soul feel safe with this person? That's where we start. And when we start that way, our entire search for love changes. Yeah, we have to be attracted to the person. They have to be capable. They have to be confident. We have to be compatible in different ways. There are, you know, many, many different things that all come into the picture. But what we don't put as the first question is like, inside myself, does my soul feel safe? Does my heart feel safe? Is there an essential feeling of safety with this being? Like that there's a kindness, a goodness, and an integrity it may not be perfect, but is pretty darn unfailing. It is essentially who they are. And if the answer is no, you're gonna have a lot of anxiety, <laughs> and and things. It's it's not great. It's complicated. And if the answer is yes, that's like X walks the spot for a happy future.
1: You just said something so important that like was hu- a huge like discovery for me. Is like if the answer is yet yeah, or. I forgot how you worded it, but something about like expecting perfection. And I think sometimes there were moments, and I think this happens for a lot of people after a couple years of dating someone, you know, it's not like when you first meet someone where you're so happy. And like, like, I remember when I first met my my fiance, it was just like, you know, rainbows and butterflies every day. And then like the hard stuff hits and it's like you start thinking is this person for me like it, what if there's someone else out there that's more compatible for me and like always searching for this perfect person as if like if i was with someone else it would be a more perfect relationship which like i think coming to truths with and like uh, so many of my followers have talked about that that like they secretly are like is this person for me like in their head and they never tell anyone even though there's nothing wrong with the relationship like i look at my fiance and i'm like you do so much for me like you work So long, and yet you come home and cook like you do all these things that like I love and appreciate. But yet sometimes I have these thoughts where I'm like, "Well, what if someone else is better for me?" And like coming to realization that there will never be a perfect relationship. There isn't one out there. And Instagram likes to tell us like you know you follow some of those influencers sometimes, and you're like, Uh "Do they ever fight? Do they ever like? Does anything ever happen? Like they're they're picture perfect, and they're wearing matching outfits, and you're you know." (laughs) That's
2: not real. Taylor, I'm wondering if you have the experience. I call this the wave and it kept me single for decades. And I think it's the biggest destroyer of healthy new relationships that like exists on the planet. And so the wave is you meet somebody, you're attracted to them, you're interested. And then after a while, you realize they're consistent. They like you and that's not changing. They want to spend time with you. Yes. They're good. And then your sexual attraction and your your there, you know, all of that stuff just kind of plummets and you start finding flaws and faults. Did you Oh
1: absolutely? Even sometimes when he chews, I'm like, could you choose some any louder? Like, come on.
2: You're
1: breathing too loud.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. I was just I was just with Greg last night. We were working on this project and he was eating grapes, and I was like, That is so loud. But then I remember our, one of our kids says, dad, you too, so loud. Greg doesn't even, <laughs> as that as you do. And I'm like, I better shut up. But, uh, oh,
1: I'm so fast to like call my fiance out on anything, but like the second he ever would say, and he doesn't, but if he were to say anything to me, I would be like a puddle of tears on the floor in fetal position. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's so quick. It's so easy for me to like attack him and like all of his flaws, but like, I have to realize I have so many as well, you know, it's like, I can't, it's double standards. And I think sometimes also like, I don't know if you relate to this, but like self-sabotaging, like almost like it's too good that like, you don't even realize you're self-sabotaging. Like you almost want like the the bad person or like the chase or like, but like that wouldn't be being with that person long-term wouldn't be good. Like you would be unhappy, like with someone else who isn't loyal and, like you said, sometimes it's hard when they're so consistent and, and so nice and like so available. You're like, why are you so available? Like, why do you love me so much? Like, I could do anything. And he's just like, you're so pretty. Like, I'm like, dude, what? Like, oh. Uh.
2: Yeah, Taylor, you did great. <laughs> you did great finding someone like that. I, I celebrate that. And I understand all these different things that you're saying too. And to me, like, this is the thing I think is like people say fear of intimacy is like a pathology, but I don't think it's a pathology. I think it's like what it means to be human. I think if you're breathing, you have fear of intimacy. The question is, do you own it and its repercussions? And do you address it and handle it in the relationship? And if you do, which it sounds like you're doing, I think that is huge. That's just like being in the moment, being what they call at the contact boundary where you're speaking your truth, but you're doing it with compassion and you're listening for your partner's truth.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I personally was going to tap into what Taylor said a little bit about how you have someone that's saying all of these things and it's still hard for you to like believe the, yeah. what they're saying sometimes. So I know for me, that was a huge part of my Relationship that I that just ended. I I found myself having a lot of um, anxiety around, you know, being insecure about the attachment. And we've talked about attachment styles in previous episodes. Um, but sorry of my dog. Um, mm-hmm. So and and I'm just wondering, kind of, what your opinion is on um, attachment styles and. And how to, if you feel like you are in more of an insecure attachment, like I definitely have some anxious attachment and fear of abandonment. And I think that actually played a big role in my last relationship and maybe more of a role in why it ended. I'm not blaming myself. I'm just saying I think I'm aware now that I think I'm something I'm really trying to work on for myself. Um, But I'd love to hear kind of your opinion on on attachment
2: styles and and that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to share a story that I think captures that, but but, but I guess I'll say what the main theme is here. First of all, I do, and I, I want to give a little bit of a, a, a rah-rah and a cheerlead for people with anxious attachment styles because there's a gift attached to that. And maybe a little bit of like comment about people with secure attachment styles and what might not be such a gift there. So I just want to start by saying that um, people with really secure attachment styles think of it this way: this world is a living crisis. We're all going to die. Everyone we love is going to is going to disappear, or we're going to disappear first. Mm Harm happens in this world on a daily basis. The potential for illness, the cruelty, the bullying let's get really real. This is a world that is beautiful and as exquisite as it can be is filled with treacherous cliffs and chasms. Hmm. And we'd be stupid not to admit that and acknowledge that. So if you picture a tent, picture your house, this is a horrible image, forgive me, but your house, the place you live burning down and you could only take out one thing. You would take out the thing that was the most important to you. I'm talking about like let's say every living being is out and safe. And okay. you like pick one valuable object. You'd pick the one that meant the most to you, but you would leave behind others for the sake of survival. We have to do that in ourselves. And people with an anxious attachment style have made some kind of an existential choice based on their DNA that they are going to choose. Feeling over numbness, but they are going to choose sensing over disconnection. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't be feeling that anxiety. On some level, people with, this is just my opinion, people with secure attachment styles, they leave that burning building with a sense of solidity, safety, and positivity, because that's what they need. But what they leave behind is the part of them that can register The nuances of pain, suffering, disconnection, concern that those of us who are more prone to anxious attachment styles sense because we couldn't give those up because that's the depth of our sensitivity. And anxiety and sensitivity are, are, are intertwined together and sometimes secure attachment styles and a little bit of numbness can be intertwined together, which is why we need each other. So I just want to share that perspective that is mine and doesn't really get talked about. But but what, what I do believe is that for every place of a wound, there is a core gift that lies there. And when we know what that is, we have a tool for our anxiety that's profound. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but I'll just share this story. The night before my wedding with Greg. I had to be really real with him. And I said, let's, we live by the beach. I said, can we just go and sit on one of those lifeguard chairs and talk? And he was so happy about the wedding. I was so happy about the wedding. But I said, I have to, in full honesty, I, I said, there is some part of me that still doesn't believe you really love me. And there's some part of me that still doesn't fully believe that I love you. And I love you so much. And I know you love me but I just need to speak that truth. So there's room for it. And, you know, he didn't faze him. He put up with it. He hugged me and we held each other. And I was able to go into the wedding making space for that part of me. So I think with our anxieties and our insecurities, the, the question is not, can we get rid of them? The question is how do we hold them? Do we hold them with what I call cuffed hands, Not squeezing too tight or not being completely flat like baby or on your own, deal with it. But a coating with cup hands, a sense of treasuring and nurturing so that we could say to our partner, I'm feeling anxious. And then we can ask ourselves the sacred key question. What do I need? What would help? And then turning our anxiety into an ask, an ask of ourselves or the other person. So I just want to say you don't need to get rid of your anxiety. You can reduce it, and there are great ways to do that. And I'll teach a tool that I find incredibly helpful. But the key and the question is how much anxiety, how much humanity do we hold our anxiety with? How much do we make space for it and hold it with kindness? So that's great about that. Hmm.
0: I love that. I I love it. I think it's I think there's so much of what you just said that that makes me like I've learned so much about my last relationship, but also what you just said that's so important is when it does come to relationships, it's almost like one of the most important things is to be able to communicate those anxieties and and have your partner be able to kind of hold space. With you when you're in those moments of feeling these emotions, yeah that that are really hard to talk about. I mean, the night before your wedding, you're still thinking, you know, I don't know if I really believe that, but I, I can imagine that you were probably just like, well, what is it going to take for me to believe that? Right? Like things are so uncertain; nothing is one thousand percent certain. You sort of need to just be able to be open with those. Feelings with your partner, and then hold space for each other with those kind of anxious types of feelings, you know?
2: Yes, because there can be at once all these different strata of experiences. There is a part of me, so there could be a part of me that's like, oh, I don't believe he loves me. Right. I don't know if I love him enough. And then there's another part of me where my heart might be, but, and then, and then a moment later, maybe he takes my hand. And then love fills my insides. Those strata all exist. And I often think that there are, you know, there's very deep strata of care and love that is there, but it goes subterranean. and We don't necessarily feel it.
1: I uh, relate so much to what you said about your wedding night and just like how most people are like, come on, you weren't like certain about your wedding night. You think you should get married? Like that doesn't sound too good. Uh, well the week before I got proposed, um, I literally had this just feeling that like something was happening. And so I remember like texting him and being like, don't propose. I'm not ready. Like, don't do it. Like, come on, we've been together six years. That was literally just my like fear coming in and being like, You know, I don't even know what he was saying. It's not like I was planning on breaking up with him. I like, I don't even know what, what would have been different. It's just that, I don't know, something in me was just like panicked.
2: (laughs) I so understand. I so understand. I really do. I remember Greg and I, um, he sold his home. He bought a home first. That would be because we have kids. That would be an interim home where, you know, we could visit. Um, Then he sold his home. He helped me sell my home. We're in the and we bought a new home. And we're pulling away from my apartment as we're in the process. And he said to me, So Ken, we've been together for a long time. Like, I'm really happy about all of this, but like you are thinking that you'll be ready to get married, right? Like, we're going in that direction. And we had done all these. And I just hugged him and I said, Absolutely, I'm just a hundred percent clear that I'm in my truth, which, of course, I've reached that point. And, you know, um, yeah, it just took what it took. He's very gracious about it. He still teases me. Um, But he knew, like I knew, that there was a strata of love so deep. And his worry didn't really like, and and even for me, my worries didn't touch my knowledge of that deeper strata. And those can exist. They just really can I love your stories, Taylor. I think you and I are very, we have a lot of similarities.
1: I love that. And I think a lot of people listening relate too, because I I actually was super honest in a post after I got engaged. You know, some people, they throw up a post when they get uh, engaged and they're like, I'm so happy, like best day of my life. And I'm like, it was so traumatic for me, like, uh, (laughs) just the change and like all the thoughts that came to my mind. I mean, it was definitely I was the next day, I was so exhausted. I was just like, what happened yesterday? Like, and when I posted that, I didn't think I'd receive as much feedback like I did. And it was just crazy how many people out there are like, me too. Like, I was terrified. Like, I love him. I love her. But I was terrified. And I'm like, wow, like it just, it, it helps being vulnerable is being, being vulnerable is so hard sometimes, but like when you do it, you feel so validated. You're like, why did I ever hide that? Like, it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to not be a hundred percent certain and like, and have fears and worries. And like, yeah, it's just so refreshing talking about it.
2: It's so true. And if you have a partner who makes space for that, that yeah. Is- Huge. That is gold. That is awesome. That's amazing. And I think that's why I teach people who, when they're dating, to ask this one question as the key question Does my heart, does my soul have an inside feeling? Not in my head, but when I go down into my kishkas, as we say in Jewish, my guts, when I go down into there, is the weather good with this person? Is there yes. a feeling? Is the sun shining? Yes, that says so much, but we have to do that process of dropping down out of our thinking, which, you know, that's where a lot of the control and anxiety all, all happen. Um, I would just, if I could, like to share a thought about attachment styles and anxiety and core gifts. Can I, can I say something about that?
0: Yes, yes, please.
2: Great, great, great. Okay, so this concept of disintegration, the key and the heart and the center of that relates to this issue of core gifts. So what, so each of us, I believe has core gifts that are our intimacy genius. They're connected to our mission in life. They are the key. Our relationship to those core gifts is maybe the greatest key of all to determine how happy and nourished we're going to be in our love life. But, these parts of us are not always easy to handle. So the first stage, and I teach this in my book, in my courses, in my intensive, in my, in my, you know, all, everything, everything, everything that I teach is that the first stage is the naming and the cherishing of our core gifts. And so like, if you think about a target and the target has like a bunch of uh, circles and the closer you get into the center center that's the closer you're getting into the center of your humanity, to the beating heart of your humanity, to the heart of who you really, really, truly, truly, truly are. And as you get closer, the heat gets greater, the scariness gets greater, the vulnerability gets greater, but the capacity for holy, amazing relationships, for expansion, for brilliance, for, for your gifts, this is where you're gifts lie. But often people have stepped on these parts of us. They've taken advantage. They've neglected. They've abused. So we get ashamed of these parts of ourselves. And the first stage that, for example, in my intensives, we spend three out of the six months focusing on this. The first stage is naming those treasured qualities, naming what they are, And this is like the deep, 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 deep formula of finding love that I have found to be true, what I call the deeper physics of love. And that is the degree to which you cherish those parts of yourselves where your whole life you felt like, oh, I'm too sensitive, or oh, I'm too intense, oh, I feel things too much. The more you treasure those parts of yourself and see and honor the gifts. The more you're gonna get sexually and romantically attracted to people who also do. And the more you disdain them, or you orphan them, or you feel weird about them, or you hide them, or you don't really fully love them, to that degree, you're gonna be sexually and romantically attracted to people who will never be able to treasure those parts of you fully. So, deep concept here.
0: That is so cool. So that's so interesting that you just said that because I I was thinking to myself as you were talking is he gonna say is he gonna say what I what I've heard him on his podcast say I hope he does because the past couple episodes I've actually said that to our audience about how you know and I think I I probably I, I must have heard it on Deeper Dating um, that you know I am a sensitive person and in my re- past relationship that just happened. My, you know, ex wasn't able to hold space for that part of me. Yes. It was uncomfortable for him. That was a huge, you know, part of, um, you know, why at the be, at, you know, in when we broke up at first, you know, me thinking, oh my gosh, it was me being so sensitive. Um, I'm, I'm too much for him again, you know. And how many times I've heard that throughout my life that it was just such a horrible thing, like, oh, you're just too sensitive. You know, I start crying and I'm just too sensitive, or. You know, I have such big emotions sometimes because, you know, that's part of my temperament. But, oh, that's so that's too much for people. And it's so interesting how this was my past relationship of me just feeling like I was too much for him.
2: Yeah. But
0: in reality, those things about me are a gift. And someone I, I, that I'm going to fall in love with is going to see that about me.
2: Absolutely. And it was evolution that you said, nope not good fit or that 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 life brought you to that place because because the degree to which you really treasure that your next partner it's almost mystical how this happens and i get i get responses from people all the time telling me this when i started treasuring those parts of myself i don't know how it happened but i met someone who really is wonderful and maybe i didn't notice him at first enough because he was so different than these spicy, unavailable, cocky people. But all of a sudden I realized I'm in love and we're getting married. And I, I'm so thankful that you taught me to see this way. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited for you, Alison, to think that as you do this, as you move into this next phase, your field will shift. Absolutely shifted already. And so the people you meet, the people you're attracted to, Will shift too, that's a kind of weird miracle, but it really happens.
0: I believe it. I really can say f- for the first time that I actually believe that, and so thank you for saying that and affirming that,
2: yeah, 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 it's a kind if of helps oh sorry, oh no, that was it. yeah, so,
1: if it helps, Allison, when I met my fiance, I remember talking with my mom, I was in college, and I remember talking with my mom being like oh, this guy is so weird. He just, like, keeps texting me, and, like, he's so nice. It's so creepy. And, like, (laughs) looking back, I'm, like, I was looking in all the wrong places for this, like, idea of what I... And I was so mean to him when I first met him. Like, I, he's seriously a trooper. Like, I was so mean. I was just, like, going out with my friends and, like, yeah, yeah. I was just not nice. (laughs) So sometimes it's so true, Ken, like, looking... You start looking at people differently when you really know what you want and like your heart, all of a sudden you're just like, wow, like I I really care about this person and this person fits with me and won't change me and accepts me for all I am.
2: Yes, yes. And there's actually research on that. It's called the principle of instrumentality. It's a studied principle in attraction research and it says that if you that, that people who meet your goals of what you're looking for, which you just articulated, you you are more likely to notice them, find them, and be attracted to them. And I believe have them be attracted to you too. It's like if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you make that your goal, and in my courses and in my book, there's 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 a point that I have people actually create a contract where they say, no more what I call attractions of deprivation, only attractions of inspiration. There's a lot that I talk about about what that is and what the differences are, but making that decision changes your field. It changes your filter for what you see in the world, which is, these are all reasons why the skills of dating are the skills of intimacy, and those are the richest skills of all, and why your search for love needs to be broadening and deepening you as a Person, otherwise it's it's an it's not the wisest search for love.
0: Right, that's so great. And I I've I remember you know in your podcast talking about attractions, and deprivation, and like just listening more and more. I just look back now to my last relationship, and I definitely was at that stage when I fe- when I met him, which was, you know, I think which made me you know, again, this, it was a great experience for me. Um, You know, I I learned so much about myself in relationships, but I definitely think I was coming from that place.
2: Yes. 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 It's so good that you see that. I mean, that's this thing of learning that like we're all doing. And I think also another thing is that, and I've kind of devoted the last few years to this is that an environment of safety and warmth, which is very unlike the online dating world, which is how most people meet, but an environment of safety and warmth and intimacy makes you more likely to make better choices. Swiping quickly makes you more likely to make the wrong choices. And so my husband and I have spent you know, years working on creating DeeperDating.com, which is an environment where people meet online but they talk about things that matter in ways that are warm and respectful and there are online events that do that in other words like we've created something where people can feel safe and inspired and I just believe that there's so much unkindness in the world of dating and we need to create contexts and environments that celebrate kindness instead
0: yes Oh my gosh, please. That's on deeperdating.com. I think I need to go on to that.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 deeperdating.com. And we're starting to have events. It's the events where really, you know, you can go on now and meet people for free and connect and, and find learning partners to do this work with. And, you know, there's lots of really wonderful things, but we have events. And in those events, you, you, you know, you break into small groups with people and you answer questions like talk about a book that changed your life. Talk about something that's really precious to you in your home. You know, fabulous questions because that's how people should be meeting.
0: Oh, I know. I I mean, being single again. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm back on the dating. I'm back on Hinge and Bumble, basically because I just needed a distraction. And I think I'm not really ready for anything right at this point again. But it's like I need to. I need to not. It was a distraction, but now it's making, it makes me feel worse. It's not even making me feel good. I don't know why
2: I'm even doing it. I know the research shows that that is true. And Hinge and Bumble are good choices. Those are good choices. But, um, but I think that there are other choices too. I think there's a, you know, a kind of like evolution. Everyone sees this. This is the zeitgeist now is like, we need wiser, deeper, kinder spaces online. And uh, there aren't enough of them yet, but there are a number of us that are really committed to creating that.
0: Well, I will be on the lookout and I'll go check out deeperdating.com. Oh, and- check it out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty lovely. <laughs> for sure. Um well, I mean this was so great and honestly, we had some questions for you but you you answered all of them. I mean, one of them was is it normal to question your love for your partner and their love for you? Oh. Totally answered that with the, you know, examples that you and Taylor gave, which was awesome. Um, yeah, we
2: did. Yay.
0: <laughs> and yeah, and j- just a bunch of, is there normal to talk about doubts in a relationship and all of that stuff? Um, oh,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But there was one question that came up that it was a couple times, actually, that I think maybe you could um, give some insight on. And a couple people asked how to support a partner that struggles with their mental health and mm. or has some unhealthy past relationships that are coming into the new relationship um and just some other anxieties like do you have any advice on that
2: i have some thoughts on that i have some thoughts on that um the research shows that um if the person you're with um or you have an addiction an addiction problem I don't mean like necessarily like, you know, some, you know, moderate degree of food addiction or shopping addiction. I'm talking about more like, you know, uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, serious sex addiction, things like that. If your partner is an active addict in those ways, or if you are, nothing is going to work. Everything is going to blow up until you find sobriety a 12 step program find a therapist but not any therapist a therapist who truly specializes in the addiction that you're dealing with um with someone and they have these these issues and they're not stopping go to go to al-anon get get help in figuring out what to do about that um i can't tell anybody just stop seeing somebody you love But I would say, like, take the journey to learn how to deal with that. So that's one entity. Another entity is mental health issues. If you're with someone who is not actively trying to find stabilization from serious psychological conditions, that's not good. That's not good. It's really important that they are willing to begin to, you know, seriously take the journey. And that's a hard journey, a very hard and rocky journey, but it's one that they need to take to take care of you by taking care of themselves. And so, you know, if they're not willing, get help. If they are willing, that's a beautiful and good thing. But but there's lots of complications that come out of that. If there's an unhealthy family member, that's a, set, you know, from, from from an old marriage or whatever, That's a separate issue that takes a huge amount of dialogue. But I would say in general, even in a condition that feels unsafe, you want to feel like your communication between you and your partner is essentially safe. Hmm. Two of you are working together toward healing and remaining as an active addict is not healing. And not taking the steps to stabilize psychiatrically is not healing. Yeah. Allowing an abusive situation to go on, that's not healing. So I just want to say that in a broad level.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, well, I love this.
1: Taylor, is there anything else you feel like you want to add or any questions? no i mean this has been great i know we we've been on about 50 minutes i don't know how long yeah i know <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah. Well, well, over. well if you don't mind before we leave i do i would absolutely love to teach this uh this second tool for anxiety for dealing with anxiety my favorite tool in the
0: world yes please
2: well this plus tapping eft uh, that for me, that really, really
0: love EFT, love tapping,
2: yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I do these two together. But this is a process that nobody who works with me doesn't learn, and it's called the inner mentor process. I just absolutely adore it. So I want to lead everybody in it, and it takes five minutes. That's it.
0: Ooh, okay,
2: okay, okay. So I'd like everybody to just close your eyes, unless you're driving or you know whatever. Um, close your eyes get comfortable. And I want you to think of a time in your life where you felt really comfortable in your own skin. And remember how you felt, where you were. Just remember that wonderful, wonderful feeling of being comfortable in your own skin. It's like then you could really taste who you are. And just hold that memory. You don't have to have perfect memories. You don't have to have perfect visualization. Don't worry. Even if you get little glimpses, you're doing good enough. Just enjoy those little glimpses. And now, I'd like you to remember a time in your life when you felt a lot of love. And I don't want it to be a time that when you think back on it now, it's painful or hurts. Um, I, I want it to be one where you could... Hold that memory and feel good inside a time in your life it could be with a pet it could be with the grandparent it could be with a partner it could be with the child it could be a spiritual place it could be with nature anything 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 but a time that you felt just a lot of love in your heart that good feeling of love and remember what that feels like for you that taste and just hold that. And now, finally, I want you to remember a time that you felt really kind of like you accomplished something significant. didn't have to be grand or big, but there was something hard that you tackled, and you did it. You came out the other side, more you than before you started. Remember that feeling of mastery, and it might be little. It might be a drawing you just made that made you feel good inside, Um anything, but that feeling of mastery and that taste. Just gently hold that. And now, this is just an imagination exercise. I want you to imagine the you that lives in that place, like you with your wings unfolded, you on the other side of all of those inner glass ceilings that you might have. Just picture the you that you're meant to be you that feels that sense of empowerment, comfort in your own skin, love, bursting love. Just picture that you. Now, you don't have to earn that you. You don't have to become that you. Just fantasize. Just imagine that you. What does this person's face look like? What does this person's eyes show? What would it be like to live inside the skin of that you? And In some way, it's not that much of a leap because it's you. In other ways, it might feel like a leap, but in some ways, it's just you. And now, I want you to just imagine that you jump into that you and become that you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to improve. You just imagine that you're in that you. You give yourself the grace of, like, jumping into that you you're meant to be in, how delicious that you tastes, how how you that you tastes. That um, how full and meaningful it feels to be this full being, the you you're meant to be. And just imagine that. And now, look from this place at the you of today. You are living in the you you're meant to be. You are in that space, looking at the you of today. And look at that you and think. What do I most want to share? What words of guidance and wisdom and care do I want to share to help that me of today come closer to this being that I am? And just think of those words. You might want to write them down. If you're alone, you could speak them out. But just take, or or you could just whisper them, or you could just think them. Take a minute to do that now. Good, good, good. And now I want you to imagine as this wiser evolved you opening your arms and the you of today comes into your arms. And you both hug each other. But this is really cool because you're hugging and being hugged. The you of today and the you that you're born to be, you're feeling both of those. You're feeling the hug from both sides. Just let yourself feel that. Just hold that feeling because the more you do this exercise, the more you're going to move closer to that you and the more you're going to become that you. It's like osmosis because it's your mentor. And having a mentor is the greatest way that we can learn. So slowly come back and open your eyes. And I encourage you to do this. Every day, you will not believe the wisdom and the sweetness and the guidance that you have access to almost at every moment. And if you follow it in your relationships, it is going to change the course of your future. Well, oh, my gosh.
1: That,
0: I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to say how amazing that was. I did it with you.
2: <laughs> Yay. Good, good, good. I was hoping. I'm so glad. I'm so glad.
0: I I've been um I've been focusing a lot more on trying to do s- those types of visualization exercises. Yeah. Similar to um kind of what, what you just did. And I I love how you incorporated myself being someone that's hugging myself.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being
0: hugged. Um and I just don't think it's often that we visualize ourselves as, I don't know, like the people that, or the person that we believe we can be I, and what we can accomplish. Is, is, it's, it's almost, you, really, it's really a practice.
2: It's really a practice much more even after, or in addition, than calling out guidance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I do it every day. I have an inner mentor buddy and we share each other's inner mentor. We've done that like for over a year. I've done this for like three, four years. I just adore it. I adore it. So Um, um. actually it's in episode three of my podcast. So you can, you can also have it there, but you have it here.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much. That was a wonderful way to end the episode and I appreciate you so much for coming oh, thank on thank you
2: thank you for having
0: yeah. me yes and and um please just tell everyone how they can find you again
2: absolutely so deeperdating.com is where you uh it's the it's the website for single people looking to meet in a wiser way the deeper dating podcast which uh next monday i record by 100th episode that's just deep dating you can also find out about um uh, a video and audio course where I guide you through this entire process. You can find that on the deeper dating podcast. And there's also my book deeper dating, how to drop the games of seduction and discover the power of intimacy. And you can find me on all social media, either under Ken page or under deeper dating.
1: Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. And, Um, we love that you guys joined us today and, um, remember, follow us on the anxiety chicks, the anxiety healer and health underscore anxiety. And we will talk to you all next week. Happy
1: healing. Thank you, Ken. Bye.
2: Good folks.
0: healers thanks so much for listening to this episode of the anxiety chicks with taylor and i as always you can find us on instagram you can find me Allison Sepinera, as the anxiety healer and taylor as health underscore anxiety and as always you can check out the anxiety healing school i just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them, all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them it's a self-paced course and if there's any struggle with finances there's a payment plan available as well so go to the anxietyhealingschool.com to check that out and as always go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with thanks everyone happy healing
2: seeking the truth never gets old